Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Stricken Roll. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, as always, and this is episode 9. I am joined today by a first-time guest of the pod to discuss not the Knicks, not fucking basketball, because fuck both of those things. Uh, I am joined by Anthony Prohaska. That's at Pro underscore Ant on Twitter. He is a podcast host for Cover One, uh, which is a Buffalo Bills fan-run media content provider there you go uh honestly i think it's the best in the business uh including basketball football whatever you name the sport i think they do the best job possible so i'm super pleased to have him on anthony how you doing dude that was really like you set the bar pretty high for me there like now i kind of don't even want to speak because i feel like there's nowhere like i can't reach that bar i'm doing good but like you set that bar high man yeah no i mean um yeah it's it's funny like i i literally just found cover one back in like 2017. Mm-hmm. I just like stumbled across it on Twitter. And then after I found it, I was like, this is free. Like, <laughs> well, like what's going on? But it's like, I think back then it was just Eric and maybe a few other guys. Um, it wasn't as big, but now obviously uh, way more. So, I mean, thanks for all the work you guys did this year. Um, it was fun until it wasn't anymore. Uh, and we're going to not talk about 13 seconds. No, that's what we're not going to do today. That's so, I've, I've always <laughs> said it like it, like I, I, if I was like in a conscious mind in the, in the nineties for like the four straight Super Bowl losses, like I always <laughs> said, like it would have broken me. And like the closest thing I've ever come to that was, you know, I, 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 I saw the music city miracle. I lived through that and that was terrible. And yeah, then all the worst. others, like bad things the drought and all that but the music city miracle like for an individual game the music city miracle got me even the loss of the texans a couple years ago like that one got me this the yeah we won't talk about that 13 seconds like i i want to i still want to move to like a remote island where they've never heard of sports and (laughs) it exists it still kills me like and i and i've had to watch it dude i've had to watch it so much (laughs) to like break down the game and then okay like what type of coverages were they using? Okay, what didn't work there? What do we need to do for the offseason? This and that, and blah, blah, blah. And I have to keep watching it, and it just hurts my heart every time. It's so bad. I I think I've, like, literally the first thing I said to my friend after the Super Bowl was over was, like, we would have won the Super Bowl this year. Like, I was like, that's the, I, I can't, I couldn't stop. Like, the entire fucking Super Bowl, I'm just sitting there watching it, and I'm like, I hate, my life right now so much. And then I also fucking lost squares during the fucking thing. So it was, I I lost squares. My bet didn't cover like, you know, it was just a bad Super Bowl all around and all through it. I just had 13 seconds drilled into my head. And if you don't know what the hell we're talking about, 
Good for you. Um, You're safe. Well done. (laughs) But before we get started today, uh, I do have to make an announcement. The Strickland does have a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's multiple tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland every Friday that I do with Prez. It also gets you access to the Strickland mailbag I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. It also gets you access to the Strickland Discord, where you can join us in endlessly talking about the Knicks, even as they lose 10 in a row, as they are currently... Uh, that's what they're doing right now. It's great. It's wonderful. We like to talk about that, apparently. Uh, But there's also further tiers. There's a $9 tier. That gets you access to this podcast right here, Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I often yell more about the Knicks, but sometimes I decide, fuck that. I'm going to talk about something else. Uh, You also get access to weekly articles from Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best basketball writers, anything writers in the business. Uh, Tremendous content. Highly recommend uh, subscribing just for that. Uh, there are further tiers beyond that. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those get you access to multiple other benefits like merchandise discounts, watch parties that we do together on Discord, listening on podcast recordings, even potentially hosting a podcast with yours truly, and you can tell me how much of an asshole I am. But whether you choose to s- subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's talk about Football. That's what we're going to talk about. We're gonna, we are here to talk about football. Um, look, look, look. It's, it's obviously a Knicks podcast that we do most of the time, but a large segment of the fan fans are populated by the Jets and Giants, uh, two teams that have two top ten picks apiece. So, uh, look. Let's just start with the Jets since they are uh, an enemy of ours. Yes. Let's just say as a division rival. Um, Look, the Jets are what they. I think they went four and thirteen last year. There's some interesting building blocks here. They've got a ton of cap space. They got two top ten picks. I mean, I guess like just looking at their roster and just you know with Salah as the coach, like what do you like? I mean, if you are sitting there, you have these two picks. What what are you thinking of doing with those picks, and what do you think is available to them? Everything really for not just the Jets, but for all these teams, it all starts with what's going to happen in free agency for me first, because I feel like. Uh, I, I love the draft and I love mock drafts, but I feel like mock drafts are kind of useless until like the beginning of April because free agency throws everything almost out the window. But what, what's nice for the Jets is having pick four and having pick 10, the world is kind of their oyster. Like whatever they don't get in free agency, they can get a quality level guy at four, a quality level guy at 10. And then you combine that with the cap space that they have, which is uh, $48.8 million. So basically 49 is the fourth most. They've got certain holes, but they're going to be able to address kind of anything and everything they want like they have in years past. And they didn't really, you know, hit on those guys. But as of right now, you know, looking at the draft, it's tough given what they've got on this roster, and, and and I think the mock drafts all reflect that. You've seen so many things allocated to them. But if I'm the Jets right now, I'm looking at corner, um, I'm looking at edge, uh, even potentially wide receiver to kind of boost some things, and then I'm also looking at offensive line. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, who they got last year, I love I want yeah, to be so good. I wanted that was my dream scenario for the Bills last year. I wanted Vera Tucker to fall. So they got him. He had a good rookie year. Makai Becton is still on the come up, even though he's had injury concerns. So if you get another, 
I don't know, if you get Charles Cross or you get Iquan Wu at four and all of a sudden you've got like three studs on the offensive line, combine that with, I don't know, maybe signing like a Bradley Bozeman or Ryan Jensen uh, in free agency like has been rumored recently. All of a sudden you have like a real quality like four up front and then you can piecemeal together the fifth. I would expect them to go offensive line um, at four unless somebody – unless like Thibodeau falls or Hutchinson or they got somebody who they're just like absolutely enamored with. But you know, Zach Wilson is the franchise. You've got some other pieces. You got to protect the franchise. You've already got a couple pieces. Why not go full tilt? Kind of like what they did in uh way, way, way back when they took Nick Mangold into Brickershaw Ferguson mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. round, all those years ago, build from the front and then go from there. I had a beer one time with Nick Mangold. Ooh. He didn't know who I was, but I knew him. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he was he was great. Uh, I went to Michigan, so I was like, "Fuck you, man!" And he was like, "Why?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm just kidding. Just don't don't do anything to me, please, because you look like you could grab me with a pinky and toss me fifty yards down the way." Um, no, he was he was really cool. But um, yeah, look to, to go back to the Jets. Like, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because I think uh, Joe Douglas has done a really good job of like resetting their cap. Mm-hmm amassing draft capital i love the jordan or sorry jordan uh fuck why can't it jamal adams trade i love that trade for them mm-hmm. when it happened i did not think they should pay him nope. even when jets fans were still like in love with him i just did not i, I never care i thought he was pretty average at best in coverage mm-hmm. and that most of his kind of i mean all of the stuff that people loved about him were things that i don't particularly value that much in safeties mm-hmm. like I just don't care what you're doing for me at the line of scrimmage, unless you're like Troy Palomalu level of impact, which he's not. Um, He thinks he he is, though. (laughs) The president? Yeah, of course he does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. So I think he he did a really good job with that. And I think it's been reasonable, kind of his cautious approach, I would say, in free agency, especially last year, because they did have a lot of money to spend and he didn't burn through a lot of it. I mean, they signed some short-term contracts the Corey davis thing was like mm-hmm. it hadn't it hasn't worked out probably as well as i thought but like I, I think it was a reasonable gamble i understood why they took it um and there were i mean the carl the carl lawson one for them I, there's no way to like that you can't do anything about that right like the guy yeah. ruptures his achilles during training camp i, I also yeah. i love that signing by the way like his value I, I, I thought he was one of the quality edge rushers on the market, given what he did with pressures um, the previous year, and people weren't really paying attention to that. I hope, you know, I mean, I hope he doesn't come and kill it because I, <laughs> for his sake, like, I hope he's able to come back from this injury. He's a real quality player, and I feel bad that he got hurt. He's somebody that if he can come back, like, that's a great signing for Joe Douglas as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, it's, I think what made it, what, probably like made people not realize how good he is even more this year is the fact that Hendrickson like was awesome yeah. for for Cincinnati so people just kind of like don't realize but yeah I agree I think the loss in signing was really good but I mean I'm like do you feel like this this feels like a pretty big offseason right because he's he's had the two years to kind of like stabilize the situation and clear the decks and I, I i kind of put this on par with where bean was before the 2019-20 season mm-hmm. where i was like okay you did a good job of like setting the table and you know you drafted a quarterback and you've got these young pieces that are promising but it's like okay like now you've got to go you know spend money well and also like you know 
it's time to start winning games because you've you've had time now to to build out your talent level. So what what are you doing for me now? And I, I I'm curious to just kind of get your thoughts on that and um you know just kind of the job that Douglas has done so far. I think he's done a good job, which also hurts my heart because I hate. <laughs> um, but he's done a good job just from a roster perspective. I, I love the hiring with Sala. Like I love Robert Sala, and they bring him in. Everything he he does on the field, off the field, what he says, he's just so smart and builds such quality units. And so you've got that that coaching piece in play. And then with the roster, I think you know I like the comparison you made with being in the Bills because you have to you have to get to that point where okay, we've got our quarterback. This is the building block. Okay, let's build from there. And that's, I think, where a lot of GM's heads are at. And then combined, I think that's also where like the organization or the ownership's heads are at. I feel like once you finally get your your franchise quarterback, that's when your clock starts ticking. Like, because you can always get away as a GM and be like, well, I mean, like, you can't judge me. Like, I never, I haven't got my franchise quarterback yet. Like, I haven't gotten the chance to, you know, get the right. guy. He gets Zach Wilson, who was his guy. And, and then, like you mentioned, not going crazy overboard last year, I think it was still like, okay, let's get the quarterback. Let's get the baseline, you know, foundational pieces there. Let's see what we got. Okay. So now we've got Zach Wilson. He showed some flashes last year and we think he's going to be the guy we've got Michael Carter and we've got Elijah Moore and we've got two good offensive linemen. Okay. Where do we go with all this money now? And I think this offseason could be very big for them because if, especially if you're the Jets, right? And we're thinking, I'm thinking of it from this mindset. If you think you've already got these core foundational pieces there on the team, and now you go forward and you've got the fourth most cap space in the league and you've got two first round picks, like the table is kind of set for you to, like, this is a make it or break it off season for me, for the Jets. The Jets can either set themselves for the future for the next five years with this draft, or they can completely screw it up. Like when they gave all that money to Le'Veon Bell and things just fell apart, like it could be one of those two things. But I have faith in Douglas, which again, sucks, but he's done a quality job so far and he set himself up well for this off season. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I think like, you know, I mean, ultimately so much of the stuff just hinges on is the quarterback going to be good or not? And yeah, I mean, that's like, that's like you can do everything else perfectly well, but then if you don't have the quarterback, it just always falls short. I mean, you're seeing that, like there's so many teams right now. I mean, this, it's kind of weird how the NFL has changed now where like, it feels like now more than ever, there's actually an ability to acquire quarterbacks at various points in ways that are not just, trade up Mm. like a crazy haul in the draft or you know or take a shot on somebody that's like 38 39 with maybe one last hurrah looking for a title um it just feels like now the quarterback carousel year to year is a real thing i mean we'll see what happens with rogers uh i'm sure he'll keep playing this out for another six weeks so that he can see his name all across the news constantly i hate it so much i just (laughs) just make a decision shut up just just shut up i cannot i despise everything about Rogers. Um, great player, obviously, yeah, but just, just, I, I, I take pleasure every time that he fails in the playoffs. Up and I, I didn't used to feel that way. Like, <laughs> I used to really like him. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what happened. He just, uh, yeah, I, I genuinely don't get it. And then like you, you kind of added up with like things we used to hear about him. And I was like, Oh, maybe he's a jerk, but I was like, no, he seems fine. I like him. And yeah, now I'm just like really, turned off he's like making his own soap and whatever he's yeah doing and I, I i also just like i hate like 
I hate this thing with him where anytime he wins, it's like he's the greatest thing ever. And then when they lose, it's like, well, the front office let them down. And I just look at that roster and I'm like, I feel like their front office is pretty fucking good. Like yeah, this roster win. seems, yeah, this roster seems good. That offense, like they have plenty of talent on both sides of the ball. This does not feel like a team that's, you know, Rogers is papering over the cracks. Like it, this feels like a team that, yeah, I mean, he's obviously the best player and, you know, of course he's the quarterback. So that, that's there, but like, you know, he's not out there exactly throwing to nobody's behind a terrible offensive line, like no running game or anything like that. Like, no, I, I, I yeah, I just, I think that he gets, They've had some bad luck. Like he, it seems like every year, like three of his five offensive linemen go down for the year, like every single year. And so (laughs) that's been like a bit of bad luck. And I also get the point of, okay, if you don't take Jordan Love, then you get maybe a quality first round pick to add who can contribute and do real things on these teams the last couple of years. But other than that, I mean, yeah, they've, I mean, they hit on Jair Alexander, who I think people forget. He's arguably the best cover corner in the league when healthy. Yeah, he's, he's, a stud. he's a big time stud, absolute lockdown. And then, yeah, we could literally go across the board from free agent signings and draft picks. And the Packers organization has been a quality run unit. But, I mean, you got a polarizing guy and it puts everybody under the spotlight, which can suck. Yeah. What, um, you know, let's get, let's get back to uh, New York football. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. We did talk a bunch about the Jets, but. There's another New York team, the Bills. Now I'm just joking. Uh, nobody wants. Nobody that listens to this really cares about the Bills, other than me. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit about the Giants. Um, they obviously, you know, I think you probably have some pretty good insight here, considering the hires they've made this yeah, offseason. Bunch of traitors. Traitors and charlatans and liars. No, yeah, they're fine. <laughs> yeah, they hired uh, Joe Schoen, uh, and then they hired Brian Dable to be the head coach. So. Um, you know, this is a question we got uh, from Fares. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. But he he asked, and I mean, this is a pretty broad question. But what do you think the Giants would lean towards in the draft? Um, and do you think that they might double up on O line? You know what? So the Giants, <clears throat> much like the Jets, the Giants off season is going to be kind of murky, but for bad reasons. So like the Jets, it's just like well, we've got these picks and we've got all this money. Like the world is our oyster. What do we do? What do we do? (laughs) The Giants, it's like, we're already super under the cap. We have the seventh least amount of space. We might have to gut a whole bunch of people. We have a new GM and a new coach. And then we've got two top 10 picks at five and seven. What do we do? It's it's so funny how like the the two New York teams, well, the two New Jersey teams are like (laughs) similar in that regard, but almost for different reasons. Yeah, I think you could see – I think it, for the Giants, I think you see offensive line at one of those picks, um, much like the Jets. Like I've seen, you know, if Charles Cross is there or if Ekwanu falls, like I think that's a quality, quality grab for the Giants, especially as they're a team now. You're trying to figure out, okay, is Daniel Jones the guy? Is Daniel Jones not the guy? You have to at least surround him with – the proper weaponry and support up front. And they went out for the weaponry last year, getting Galladay. You still got Shepard and Kadarius Tony and all that. But now it's like, okay, Andrew Thomas showed some flashes. Got to build the rest of the offensive line. I think at least, at least one of those first round picks at five and seven, five or seven um, is going to be offensive line. I think to the question, there's a chance they could double dip. Um, But I also think there's going to be a stud 
defender there that the Jets or that the Giants might want to go to, but I don't think it's crazy to think that they could double dip there given the roster construction and how they're going to be strapped for cash this offseason. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance Hamilton's there at five. And I don't know shit about the draft, but like from everything I've read is that he might actually just be the best player in the draft, forget safety. Mm-hmm. Um That's fair. You could you could make that statement. Like he his 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 tape is really good. He's he checks like every box like he's got the prototypical size he's smart he's athletic and then when you talk about a skill set standpoint like he's a safety that can play deep he's a safety that can play in the box he can cover tight ends one-on-one he can drop down in the slot and cover some receivers one-on-one he can blitz like he can do all of it and then you combine with like the type of person that he is which all the reports are that he's like your kind of prototypical leader kind of guy um he ticks a lot of boxes and again that, i mean that's why you see it's i don't put again a ton of stock into mock drafts completely but when you see people mocking a safety as the like the third overall pick in a draft you know like that dude is sick like i haven't seen people mock a safety that high since Sean Taylor. And that's because Sean Taylor was like just a freak and was a, a just not only did he tick every box, he obliterated and destroyed every single box. But Kyle Hamilton yeah. is sweet. And if he falls, I mean, you can make an argument for that too. Like you could do worse than just picking the best player in the draft. Like there's, <laughs> there's a lot worse ways to go. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're interesting to me because with the jets, like they have so much cap space that I don't think they should, really consider trading down from four or 10. Um, I don't think they need the extra draft capital. And I think they should just take like the best guys that they like at those spots. Whereas with the giants, like I feel like they're in a position where one of those picks would be an ideal thing for, I think for them to trade down. Um, I think they need more excess draft capital moving forward. And obviously like with, especially because of their cap situation, um, this is a team that like, look, we saw what Bean did in, in Buffalo, um, but like their cap situation is so fucked. I think that this is probably it's it it's really fucked. Is. It's 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 so bad. And I think like this is a team that is perfectly suited to really like the next year, two years needs to just be about eating dead cap mm-hmm. and getting your your shit in order. Um, and, and I'm interested to see what they do because you know you mentioned Daniel Jones. They already declined the fifth year option on his contract, I believe. Um, so, you know, that doesn't mean he's definitely gone, but that's obviously like an indication that Showen yeah, is not coming not in here. Great. Like, yeah, he's, he's clearly not sold on him as the quarterback of the future. Um, but like, I guess to that point, like, I don't know how much that really needs to change your team building, but I would think that that's probably a strong indication. They're not considering quarterback um, in this draft. I feel like their focus is probably let's build up, infrastructure on both sides of the ball here let's get other things in order and then we can then we can go out and if we need to trade up for a quarterback next year or the year after whatever it is we can do that but we need to get everything else in order and i mean he's also talked about you know he mentioned when he got hired like yeah we need he, he stressed the offensive line that was like one thing that he, he mentioned and you know i'm curious like because this is a player like i've seen a lot of bill's twitter bring this up but like do you see saquon as a guy that's probably on the move and you know what can you even get for him if you're the giants there's been so much murkiness around saquon like the one week it's he's going to get traded and then next week it's not and i I just saw a report i think it was on friday that 
the odds of James Bradbury being traded are still high, but now the Giants want to keep Saquon. Like it's all over the place. And I, I believe with Saquon, when healthy, he's one of the best running backs in the NFL. He can do it all. He's tremendous. The biggest question mark is going to be that health concern where he's had some nagging injuries, a devastating kind of one. I think given his contract situation in terms of length and like money that's attached to it, I feel like if you're going to get something for Saquon, if you're the Giants, it's probably going to maybe, maybe you can somehow stretch it to like a third round pick, but I feel like you're living in like the fourth round as like your best type of scenario. Some team's going to give you a fourth round pick for Saquon, maybe a fifth. You're going to have to do some kind of cap dancing when it comes to, you know, maybe do you eat some of that contract? No, you're not going to. Okay. Then you're not going to get anything higher than maybe a fifth or a sixth for him. But I think that four to five range in terms of like a draft pick, what you're going to get for Saquon is what you're like looking towards realistically. Um, And then, yeah, you, you, I wanted to hit just on a couple points you made. I thought it was great you know your your thought process there of kind of resetting things for the Giants and you know Dable coming on he has that experience of kind of rebuilding things with the Bills and then yeah Joe Shane like being there with Brandon Bean and the Bills as Bean like tore everything down like Sammy Watkins gone and Marcel Darius. I gone. I loved that when they traded Sammy Watkins there was like I feel like people were so apoplectic about it and I was yeah. like I think this trade is fine like this is a good trade in my opinion yeah I loved it like we <laughs> we needed to kind of reset and retool and I think the it what's what's a great stat is the only two Buffalo Bills that were on the Bills <clears throat> roster before McDermott and Bean uh let me guess it's Hughes. And I'm trying to think who the other one is. Special hmm. teamer. It's not Neil. I know that. Uh, shit. Is it? Is it the long snapper? Yes, it is. Reed Ferguson. Well yeah. done. Well done. <laughs> so those are the only two that are left. Like, And that's crazy to think like of an entire team, there's only two people left from like five years ago. The Bills tore mm-hmm. it down and they built it back up. And the Giants are in a similar situation in terms of roster construction, cap, and then building out this team and what you're trying to acquire. If they think Daniel Jones is the guy, which it kind of looks like they're not in that camp, you can still build the team right. And that way, when you get your quarterback, he's already kind of set up for success. And at the same time, maybe you give Daniel Jones like a real tryout and a fair shake to see if he can be the guy. What also sucks for the Giants is this quarterback class isn't great. So in a year where you have like the fifth pick and the seventh pick, it sucks that there's not like a really good QB that can potentially be there. Um, and then especially with, yeah, the quarterbacks that are come <clears throat> that are going to come out the next couple of years, they might want to not do so great this year and then get one of those <laughs> guys. So it's a lot to consider. Um, and then, yeah, I'm, I'm for, for Saquon, I'm thinking like a fourth round, fifth round. I've been going back and forth on it for the bills all the time too. like, And I'm thinking of that same perspective. If you're any team, like, what do you give up for him? What are you getting in the long term? Are you getting him for as a one-year rental? Are you getting him as a guy that you think can be a piece going forward? Like, so many question marks. Well, like, the thing with Saquon, too, is he's just not a good runner. Like, he's not a good running back at this point. He's he's actually, he's. I think his pass catching is still really really good route running pass catching um so it'd be interesting if like the bills acquire him how they would use him but i mean i don't know if the bills even should because i don't think what they to me what they need is somebody who you can line up in the backfield and is a threat to just you know 
busted out for a huge run. Like the Knicks have not, or sorry, the Knicks, let's the Bills have not had. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> RJ Barrett, Julius Randle. Let's do the whole thing. <laughs> but like the Bills haven't had a real, like I mean, since since they traded Shady, or like basically since Shady fell off a cliff his last year in Buffalo, they just haven't had a guy that you can line up back there that is like a threat to go 70 yards, yeah. you know, like it, there's just not that guy. And I mean, Saquon, when he was drafted, you would have been like, yeah, he's definitely that guy. But the dude that I've watched the last year, two years, whatever, I mean, he's just like, it's not there. I mean, not, not in terms of just lining up in the backfield, taking a carry and busting out a huge run. Um, I still think he shows a lot of explosiveness as a pass catcher. That saints game he had this year, mm-hmm. like he was awesome in that game. And I, I mean, it was, it sucks because when you see a game like that, you're like, is he turning it around? Is this about to happen again? But like, I mean, it didn't obviously turn <laughs> around from there. Yeah. But, but I mean, when you see games like that, just as a pass catcher, and then you just look at like, I mean, we can be honest that yeah, the, the clapper was not much of an OC for them this year or ever. And, uh, you know, who do they, they, they run in kitchens after that. Like it just, they did not have good play calling to leverage even mm-hmm. what he can do. Um, and obviously the offensive line was a disaster. So, I mean, is that something that you feel like forgetting the running element of it, but just as a pass catcher, would you feel pretty comfortable that like you bring him to Buffalo? Josh could, could get a lot more out of him in that, in that capacity. I think he still offers a lot in that, in that arena. And if he's, if he's healthy, which this has also been a big thing too. knock on wood, the bills facilities in terms of like injury management and control, like they're some of the best they are like at the forefront of using like technology and medical practice in order to keep everyone fresh and healthy and prevent injury and then also help people recover. So if there was a a grouping or organization that could like get him back to form physically, I think it would be the Buffalo Bills. And yeah, you you mentioned his game and two of the aspects in his game. Like I think that's what the Bills need out of a, a running back in this offense. Devin Singletary is RB1 right now, and he does a lot of things at an above average level, but he doesn't have that home run threat. He can't house right. in the blink of an eye, and he can do some things in the passing game. But if, if I'm getting a complimentary running back or adding another running back to this backfield, I want either one of two things. Well, it technically could be one of three. Like it, I just want some sort of traitsy thing. It could be a power back. It could be a big guy who is great in short yardage and goal line and is a monster cool. But I would love somebody who is either a home run threat who can take it to the house in the blink of an eye or give me that receiving threat out of the backfield, which doesn't even have to be anything like amazing. It could be like a J.D. McKissick or a James White, somebody who – knows how to transition from running back to receiver who understands pass protection, who understands how to leverage coverage and read coverage and can win on option routes and angle routes out of the backfield. And Saquon, I don't know if he has the technicality of like a James White or McKissick, but his effectiveness in the passing game with screens, with coming out of the backfield with different routes, I I think you would see success for him in Buffalo because his skill set is a skill set the Bills don't have. And when you can add another weapon to this Bills offense that is already filled with weapons and is led by Josh Allen, it's another thing defenses have to account for that they can't even solely focus on. Because that's been a problem with Saquon and this Giants offense, right? Like they're a lot of it has just been like, okay, we'll we'll just take out Saquon. And then the defense is like, cool, and then we don't really have to do much. And <laughs> now if you add Saquon to the Bills, you couldn't do that 
against Saquon because you have to account for Josh Allen, the runner. Then you have to account for Josh Allen, the thrower. Okay, who's Josh Allen throwing to? A bunch of weapons. Okay, so we have to account for all those guys. You all of a sudden have one-on-one scenarios for Saquon or you have Saquon getting the ball in space on a dump off or a check down or a screen. And then because you also have Singletary, you're using him less. So it's almost a kind of kind of like a load management in a way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think he could see some success there. I still think it's a long shot for it to happen, given that his cap hit this year is like around seven mil. And the Bills right. can do some things to free up money, but the Bills aren't tremendously flush with capital in terms of money this offseason. But um, I do hope the best for Saquon because he's he. I, I feel bad for him. He was so tremendously talented coming out of Penn State. Yeah, he was awesome at Penn yeah, State. Yeah, and he had everything. Yeah. And you get a couple, even his rookie season, he was yes, incredible. He was oh my sweet. god, he was a guy that like yeah. everybody were in dynasty fantasy leagues. Like if you got Saquon, everybody thought you were like you had the golden goose for the next like five six years. You were good, <laughs> and then he gets a couple of injuries and a string of bad luck, and then he's also on like a a dysfunctional kind of team. And it, it's crazy how in a short couple of years you can go from like one of the most highly touted guys to all of a sudden being an afterthought and potential trade candidate for like a day three draft pick. Hoops fans. The latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void were prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit, or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, there has been. I got a question. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this, and and this is like relative to the Bills also because obviously uh, Shane coming from the Bills, um, you know we don't. And, and I, I this I've had multiple people ask me like, what did he do with the B- Buffalo? What was he responsible for? And I'm like, well, what I can tell you is I have no idea because <laughs> the Bills just don't leak any of that. Like there's just no clear idea of who's responsible for what decisions in terms of the front office. We have no clue, but. Um, you know, one thing, and I, I've expressed frustration with this. I don't know if you feel the same, but like the Bills have not made a huge play for a premium pass rusher. I don't think it's that they don't value it. They took two defensive ends in the first two rounds last year. Like they clearly value the position. They've paid Jerry Hughes handsomely to stay with the team previously. So, like, I know they value the position, but do you feel like maybe that coming from Buffalo that there is an idea that yes, this position is important, but no, it's not so important that we need to spend premium, premium capital on it. Like, because if Thibodeau is there at five or something like that, like, and obviously they have issues on the offensive line. So it's not, you know, it's not that that's not a concern, but like, 
I, I don't know how you value Thibodeau or Hutchinson. I don't think Hutchinson's getting past one. I'm almost positive Detroit's taking him. Um, but like, you know, if one of those guys is there, I mean, I don't even know necessarily how to phrase the question, but it's like, do you think that maybe there is an idea uh, from Joe Shane that like, yes, this position is important, but no, we don't need to spend this premium of a pick on it. And actually we'd rather pick an offensive lineman or something else. I First, when... When we're thinking of edge with the Giants, I think the first piece with it is going to have to be the defensive coordinator piece, like with with Wink Martindale being there now. And well, what'd you think about that hire? By I the way? love it. I I think very highly of Wink Martindale. Um, I it, it's super funny. Like, I my, my, maybe it's not funny, but I feel like people really <laughs> don't realize how like the Baltimore Ravens this past year were playing with their like seventh and eighth string cornerbacks. Yeah, it was insane. Like, their whole team got the plague, <laughs> like, everywhere. <laughs> Offensive line, uh, receivers, defense at every single level, safety, corner, linebackers, defensive linemen. Like, they were – Lamar Jackson, between being sick and then being hurt, like, they were trying to squeeze blood from a stone at every single position, and they got hit so hard on defense. And the fact that mm-hmm. Wink Martindale was able to get anything out of that defense this year is a, is a testament to him. He's very creative. He knows his stuff. Um, I, I And so I think from an edge perspective, like you're going to look and see who fits into that like blitz kind of organized chaotic three, four type of scheme that also can, you know, function in a four, three, a bit. Um, does Thibodeau fit there? He's fallen down boards, but he's so tremendously talented. So I think of that first piece is like, okay, is there someone there who fits the scheme and that edge rush perspective? Cause there's a difference between being like, just like an edge rusher versus like in a four, three versus an edge rusher in a three, four different alignment, different responsibility. And then, yeah, to your point, you combine that with, you know, Shane's philosophy, which does it link up with Brandon Bean and what the Bills kind of built, built, which is interesting because, you know, we know Brandon Bean and McDermott came from Carolina. And, Gettleman disciples. Yeah, there you go, those Gettleman <laughs> disciples. I know that's going to scare off a bunch of Giants fans right now. To be like, oh God, this is terrible. Like, how do I hit the reset button? Again? But I mean, that, that that's a perfect example though of like, smart people can have fundamentally different ideas of how to operate from even in a terrible like Gettleman was an awful executive but there were really good executives that worked underneath him yes um and and like obviously Bean has done a much better job than Gettleman but like but it's more to the idea of like just because they worked in the same front office doesn't mean they were aligned on all their decisions um in fact you would yeah and you would actually hope in a a lot of ways that like they weren't because you want to have different ideas and different viewpoints before you come to some consensus decision. And obviously at the end of the day, the buck stops with Brandon Bean. Mm-hmm. you know, he has to make that call. So we have no idea how Joe Shane is going to do in the same role. All we do know is that he was part of a very successful front office. And I, I think like in some sense, a front office that I, I think has been aggressive in some ways, but also not super aggressive, like not, you know, they value having, I think like one noticeable thing about Bean has been that he has valued having a pick in almost every round of the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, even when they traded up for Tremaine Edmonds and Josh Allen, in the same draft, they had amassed so much draft capital mm-hmm. specifically for that purpose. And even like when they trade, they traded what, like five picks for, for digs, but four of those were like extras that they had. 
and it really effectively was like you traded a first for Diggs. Basically, yeah, um, they had an extra fifth and sixth from like deals that they had done previous years, and they also acquired right. another pick. So it was it was like trading spots in several rounds, and then giving up a first. Right. So it was like. So I'm just like. It, it'll be interesting to see how Shane does. That. And yeah, sorry, I didn't want. To, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you to, with fine. the Thibodeau point. No, fine. I'll yeah. just go fuck off. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.